0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Water Community Church. My name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. We are at the exciting conclusion of our series that we've been simply calling, help me out somebody, what's, what's been the name? First. 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 And the idea of it is based on, you know, what if we commit the first of this year to the things that the Bible says should be our priorities other than what the world dictates for us. And a lot of the priorities are actually spelled out in the scripture, because, and I call it uh, a commitment not by accident, because generally what people make during the first of the year are resolutions, and we know that resolutions usually go crash and burn right about, what's today's day, <laughs> right about one to six weeks in, so whatever resolution, re- resolutions that were made at the beginning of the year are for Only 16% of the people actually follow through. 84% of them, it's already crashed and burned. And so I thought a better word would be a commitment, especially if we know that there are rewards involved. Now, how many know that God knows how to reward his children? Come on, somebody. And God rewards, his rewards are based on obedience, obedience to the things that he's telling us to do. Now, 2 Corinthians, this is what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are, help me out, somebody. Yes, Yes, where? Yes, where? In Christ. Christ. Turn this over and say, you got to be in Christ. Christ. The promises of God are in Christ. And then it says, and so through him, Jesus, the amen is spoken by who? Us. Us to the glory of God. In other words, When you say amen, be careful. This this is literally what you're saying when you say amen. It literally means so be it. It means you are agreeing with what God is saying. And in this passage, it says that the promises of God are all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And then because of that, and so through him, Jesus, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. That's, my friends, when you say amen, you're making a commitment to what's being said. I know today it's become more of a religious thing, but no, you're saying, I agree with what's being said. And I'm going to try to live that out in my life. And as we learned last week, to activate those promises, we have to be committed. We have to be committed to him in everything. Now, Psalms 37.5 tells us that. It says, commit. Help me out, somebody. Everything, does everything mean everything? Yes. Does everything mean everything? Yes. Commit everything, to uh, uh, everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. Anybody but me need God's help? I need God's help, amen? I not only need God's help, I want his help. I desire his help. I, I want his help to, to make it through the day. I, I want his help to give me his daily bread. I want his help to be a better person. Because sometimes, you know, Pastor Rick, sometimes you can cast Pastor Rick on a bad day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and I got to repent and <laughs> go before the Lord and say, Lord, help me, help me to be a better me. Help me to be the man of God you've called me to be. Help me to be the husband and the father and the grandfather that you've called me to be. And so commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him. He will help you. Now, I want to see how much you guys have retained so far. And so I want you to flip your paper. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Let's get one to you because I give you a little quiz. I give you a little quiz. I want you to flip your paper over and then just kind of draw a line from uh, the The first, whatever it is, to the scripture, the corresponding scripture, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you 15 seconds. It shouldn't take that long. You know what that that music is to? Jeopardy, that's right. Got some Jeopardy fans in here. Just just say amen when you're done. It's awfully quiet in here. Uh, well, I'm going to help you then. All right. You guys are pretty close to it? Don't worry. I'm going to give you the answers anyway. Right, so we saw that first scripture. That first scripture is Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. And what did it tell us to do? And this, was, and this series was pretty easy because basically I just looked through the scriptures and found out every place where God says to put, to, to, to put him first. And that became our message for the beginning of the year. And this was one of them, Proverbs 3, 9 uh, 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. It says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so it's putting them first for whatever God has given you, financially, resource-wise. He says, if you put me first, then I'm going to bless you as well. The next scripture is Matthew. So that one is what? First fruits, right? So, Proverbs 3 9 goes to first fruits. Matthew 20 26 says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, Jesus speaking, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave or your servant. Okay? So, in God's economy, he's telling us the first must be last, okay, and servant to all. So, That one goes with first place. If you want to be first in God's economy, you're not going to do what the world does and try to elevate yourself. You're going to become a servant at some capacity. Matthew 6.33. Jesus speaking again. He says, but seek... Help me out, somebody. First. Does first mean first? Does first mean above all all other things? Yes, it means above everything else. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he says... All these things will be given unto you as well. And so again, it becomes an a if-then promise. If you put me first in, in 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 your life, he says, then I will make sure. What things is he talking about? Anybody know? Everything. 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 Matter of fact, he's literally talking about, he says, don't be like the pagans who get up every day and try to have to figure out, put their hustle on. They got to figure out where their food is coming from, where their clothing is coming from, where their money is coming from. He says, no. No. Your heavenly father has it figured out. He says, that, that's not going to be what you do. Jesus speaking, he says, what I want you to do is to seek first my kingdom and my, my righteousness. And he says, and then I'll make sure that all these things will be added unto you. That one is first priority. Make him your first priority. And then we also went into Revelation 2.4, which said, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your what? First your first love. And, and what's he talking about? Well, the scripture talks about in Revelation that there are people who just started going through the motions. Their, 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 their lips, you know, they were, were with him, but their hearts were far from them. So the Bible says to rend your heart and not your garment. Now, speaking of first love, I heard, I heard well, first of all, I want to congratulate John and Jasmine, they had a baby girl, Abigail, and so if you're watching, they're listening, they, they are in Germany, and they, they usually tune in on Sundays, so we want to congratulate you guys, congratulate your family as well, Abigail is beautiful, that's, that's one of my favorite names. But speaking of um, first love, I heard a story about a young couple who was getting ready to give birth to their first child, and they had determined that the child should not be named until after it was born, so they so they could meet it and make the name based on the first magical moment. And On the day of the birth, a beautiful baby girl was born, and the parents were instantly smitten. It's love, said the mother. All I can think when I gaze on this precious child is love. That needs to be her name. Oh, the father wasn't on board. We can't name her love. That sort of name will cause a a world of problems for her down the road. How about Jessica or Jessica? Jane or, or Sally or something like that. And the two parents fought during a break in the fight, and the father went out to go to use the bathroom, during which time a nurse came into the room, and the mother added the name love to the birth certificate. When the dad learned about this, he was upset, but he couldn't do anything about it, so resigned. He, re- he reasoned that he would love his daughter regardless of the name. Uh, the first few years of the child's life, they were pure bliss, However, she came home from her first day of kindergarten with tears streaming down her cheeks. When the parents asked what was wrong, Love said through sobs, that the the other kids at school, they wouldn't stop laughing at my name. And she broke down, and the mother and the father did their best to console Love, telling her that things would change over time. But they didn't change for the better. The classmates only became more cruel with time. The taunting became merciless throughout elementary school and junior high, becoming unbearable. And Love's grades suffered, and she withdrew into isolation. High school was held on earth for the girl, with the clickishness of high school bearing down on her every sad day of her life. And so one night, as dinner was being prepared, Love came into the kitchen and silently placed a, a sad kiss on her father's forehead, cast a piercing glare at her mother, and walked back to her room while the puzzled parents were looking at each other as if to say, What was that all about? They heard a terrible noise from Love's room, a loud BLAM! followed by a thudding to the floor. As they ran in, they, what they, they, they feared, they raced into Love's room to see the teenager clutching a pistol in her hand. And with the self inflicted wound pumping blood out of her chest following a brief period of denial where they couldn't accept what was unfolding anger in for the father, and he bitterly turned to his wife, and he yelled at her, shot through the heart, and you are to blame. Darling, you gave love a bad name. <laughs> listen, listen the, the young people don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just ask your parents. Ask your parents when you get a chance. Let me get back on my message. <laughs> well, this morning, wow. listen, we, we add a, a final first, if you will, and just so you know, don't, don't, don't name your child love. Abigail's a good name. <laughs> but, but we add a final first, if you will, to start, start out the year. Now, probably the one we're talking about today is the most important because it's the basis of everything we do in our relationship with the Lord. We see it in several scriptures. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by what? A righteousness that is by faith. And then it says, from first to last. And just as it is written... The righteous will live by faith. Not works, but by faith. The New Living says it this way. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The title of this morning's message is First Faith, or probably more accurately, Faith. First, faith first. Now, why is faith so important to our existence as Christians? In in fact, it's not only important. I'm going to tell you it's probably the key to everything. It's the key to everything in our relationship with the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us why. It says, without faith, here it is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then he tells us why. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who do what? Earnestly seek him, him. not passively. Now, You know, I show up every now and then in the church. How come this, this Christianity thing, this God thing is not working for me? No. The reward goes to those who earnestly seek him. But you can't earnestly seek him unless... You believe that he is, and you can't believe that he is unless you have faith. Without faith, it is impossible, it says, to please God. It doesn't say without faith it's hard to please God. It says it is impossible to please him without faith. Now think about that. And so everything is riding on where you and I are with our faith in him. In fact, Jesus made a, a, a telling statement. He says, when the Son of Man returns to this earth, what is he looking for? He says, will he find faith? That's what he's looking for. When he comes back, will he find faith? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 speaks about the importance of faith. It says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so our salvation, our salvation, our very salvation rides on the fact that where we put our faith, who you put your faith in. Some people put their faith in themselves, or they put it in a politician, or they put it in their bank account, and the Bible says all of that stuff is here today and gone tomorrow. Where you put your faith it's going to determine where you spend eternity. Now listen, this is, this is what it says in Revelation 26. Listen real close. It says, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. And so here we see in the scripture, there's another first. The Bible says there's a first resurrection. And that those who put their faith or trust in Christ, when he returns, they're going to be with him and and rule and reign with him. But but it also says something about a second death. When When it says, for them, the second death holds no power, what do you think it means? The second death holds no power. Did you know that the Bible talks about a second death? Now, the first death is something that unless the Lord tarries, all of us are going to experience. A hundred years from now, no one in this room is going to be here. We will have experienced our first death. But the Bible says the first death is not the one you want to worry about. He says there's a second death that's a thousand times, a million times more worse than the first death. And then it tells us in the scripture, I like to say, let scripture interpret scripture. It tells us what the second death is. Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the mega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring Of the water of life. That's why one of our shirts says, whoever is thirsty, let them come and drink. Amen? Amen. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, listen, the unbelieving or those without faith, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, look around this world today, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars—they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So, what's the second death? The second death, the Scripture calls the fiery lake of fire. It's ultimately it's hell. And notwithstanding what the people say, I want to go to hell to be with my friends and party with my friends in hell, the scripture does not say that there's going to be a party in hell. Hell is a prison and a most unpleasant place. It uses the terms burning, sulfur, fiery lake. Jesus describes it, and it's not a popular teaching today, but listen, your pastor's going to teach whatever's in the word of God, amen? Amen. And I'm going to hold up the standard of God's word no matter what the world is saying because let the word of God be true and everything else be aligned. Amen. And so there will be no partying in hell. You might be able to, to sense the presence of someone else in the lake of fire with you or whoever. But you, there won't be no conversations. Hello, how are you doing today? How, how, can, can you pass me some tea? And some crumpets. No, none of that's going on. And so the Bible says there's a second death, and those who put their faith and trust in Jesus will not have to go there. And so if you're interested, like me, in participating in the first resurrection (laughs) and avoiding that so-called second death at all costs, I want you to listen up to me this morning because... The scripture tells us that faith is the key. And it's not just faith in faith or faith in money or faith in things or faith in the God of whatever whatever you made up in your own head. It's faith in someone. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to give you five things that we all need if we're going to have that eternal life that is promised through Scripture. Because the Bible makes it clear, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not hard, not difficult, but impossible. And these are the five things within that faith structure that we're all going to need if we are going to find ourselves in God's presence when it's all said and done or eternally separated from him, experiencing a second death. Which, by the way, contrary to what some teachings are out there, you, you, you mess up, you come back as a whatever. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. Someone say just once. Just once. And then the judgment. You are not coming back as Cleopatra or whatever. I was in the psych- psychiatric hospital and there were people who would come in there and they were crazy. Or. Oh. Experiencing mental issues. And I, I can't tell you how many Cleopatras I met. They, 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 they were Cleopatras in, the, in a past life. No one ever came back and said, you know, I was a dog or, or, or a roach. They always come back with they were somebody special in some past life, which is all nonsense. And so the first thing that we need if we are going to have that eternal life is we're going to need forgiveness. Write this down. Now, why do we need forgiveness? Because everyone has sinned (laughs) and need God's forgiveness. Now, I didn't say it. The Bible says it. Romans 3, 23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, can I ask you something? Does everyone mean everyone? Yes. It absolutely does. And And what has everyone done? sin. We've, we've all broken God's moral laws in some way or some fashion. The, person, the Bible says the person who says they have not sinned is a liar and the truth is not in him. And so that's the first thing you got to align yourself up with what God says. You're either going to go with what God says or you're going to go with whatever made up thing that some nonsense person told you. Now I said that because Curiously, I saw on the news or or, or social media, and I have to check it because not everything you hear on on social media is true, but it said that this year that they've added several words to the dictionary. It's words like influencer and side hustle and pumpkin spice and yeet. I don't even know what that means. All right. Okay. But they decided to take one word out of the Oxford Dictionary. What word do you think that was? Come on, take a guess. The Oxford Dictionary this year removed the word sin. And this is and it tells us why. Because it has fallen into disuse and is not recognized by the younger generation. They've removed it from the dictionary because the young people don't recognize it. Now, my Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you've got a whole generation of people who don't even acknowledge the foolishness that they're getting involved with is sin, how are they going to get saved? Because the Scripture says all for All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you've got a generation now who's saying it's all relative. See how slick the devil is? What's at stake? Their very salvation. Their very salvation. When it says everyone has sinned, you and I are not the exception. No one does right all the time. No one does. And that's why we need a Savior. Romans 3, 25 says, Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. When he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they do what? Believe, Believe that Jesus sacrificed his life Shedding his blood. That's the faith. The moment you accept that you're a sinner and you need a savior and you believe what that that what Jesus did on the cross was not for his sins, he didn't have any. But he was the sacrificial Lamb who, who was slain from the foundation of the earth for my sins and your sins. Ephesians 1 7 says He, he, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. To God be the glory. And so we all need forgiveness and that forgiveness is found in one place in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, with that, God made this Available, write that down, to everybody. It's not just to rich folks or to people who live in America. That's why I said everybody needs Jesus because he made it available to everybody. John three sixteen. for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so the parish is talking about, it's not the first death, Christians die. It's talking about the second death. And so when I put my faith, and if you want to know what the love of God looks like, the love of God is seen in Jesus Christ on the outstretched on the cross. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, and he loved me, that he gave his one and only son. That if I believe, if I put my faith in him, I will not perish but I will have everlasting life. But even though his forgiveness is available to everybody, listen to me, it's not automatic. It is not automatic. Jesus said in Matthew 7 verse 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And part of the will of his Father, the work that Jesus requires of us is to believe. To believe that what God says about us is true so that we can be saved. But if the world is telling you, you don't have any sin, you won't ever see your need for a Savior. Young people, listen to me. Start taking this thing serious and stop going by whatever foolishness is coming down the pipe. Because it's not just your soul, it's the soul of your friends and your neighbors that are upset and your classmates. It's important for us to get this right, which brings us back to the I. It it says I means impossible, impossible, impossible. According to the Bible, it's impossible for us to get to heaven on our own. Again, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourself, it is a gift of God. Now watch this, not by works, so that no man can boast. And why does it say that? Because we have the propensity to declare ourselves righteous or right in our own eyes. Men will do that. When I compare myself to, you know, the next guy, we always make ourselves to look better. And when I compare myself to Hitler, man, I look like a saint. But is that what God is using as a standard? No, when he looks at Hitler, he says, Hitler falls short of the glory of God. And he says, and by the way, when I look at you, so do you. There is none righteous, no, not one. We all fall short of the glorious standard of God. Now, now, when I say fall short, I mean what's a good illustration? Someone shared it with me this way. What's one of the best football players out there today? Quarterbacks. Give me a name. Come on, come on. No football fans in here? What's, what? Brady. Brady. We all know Brady, right? Because he should have retired but he's still, he's still at it, right? He's 40, God bless him. He might be able to take that ball and throw it how far? I don't know. I think he can probably make it the whole, whole length of the, or at least close, right? He can throw that ball. Let's say, let's just throw out a number, 100 yards, 70 yards, 70 yards. He can throw that ball 70 yards. Maybe somebody behind him can throw it maybe 75 or 70, all right? But when the Bible says we all fall short of the glorious standard of God, we think that we can throw the ball and it's a 70-yard standard. No. When he says you fall short, it's not talking about falling a little short. The standard of God is a 1,000 yards, okay? It's 2,000 yards. We fall short of whatever are st- the glorious standards of God. We, are, we don't just miss the mark. We miss it entirely, And if we could work ourselves to heaven by our good works, then Jesus wouldn't have to come. Right? And that's why he tells us it's by grace you've been saved through faith and this not of yourself is a gift of God, not as a result of works. No one will be in heaven saying, you've heard me say this before, God, you are so lucky to have me. And pat yourself. There will be no boasting in heaven. The only boasting in heaven would be Thank you, Jesus, for paving the way for all of us to come. Come on, somebody. Putting our trust in him. It's by grace you've been saved. Through faith it's not of yourself. It is a gift. Not a result of works so that no man may boast. And the New Living says it this way. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it, and that's important because we live in a generation where, you know, everybody wants to be, you know, uh, associated with the goat, and the goat means the the greatest of all times. Tom Brady, he's the goat in his field. You've got goats and, and uh, musicians, and you've got goats, you know, who are the greatest, you know, whatever tech people and and the Tesla dude, he's the goat, right? What's his name? Elon Musk. So, so everyone wants to be like the goats, the greatest of all time. Look at them. They're the ones. Yeah. And then we want to listen to them because they, they must have some wisdom from on high. And then Jesus comes along in the, in the scriptures and says, uh, there's going to be two types of people, sheep and goats. <laughs> and, the, and the sheep, the difference between the sheep and the goat, uh, the sheep listened to the master and they did what the master said. And the goats did whatever they wanted. And the reward for the sheep and the goat, the sheep the, were told, enter into my kingdom. <laughs> Those who are, you know, have listened and done what my, my master said to so the goats, it says, you're going into eternal darkness. Listen, I'd rather be God's sheep than a goat. Come on, somebody. And I'd rather be following the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. So the question remains, How can a sinful person have eternal life and enter heaven? That is a $64 million question. The answer is you've got to turn. Write that down. Turn. Now, I've said this before in examples, but this is literally what it means. If your intention was to take your family on a Disney trip from here, supposedly the happiest place on earth, I don't think so, but my wife might agree with that, And as you are on the road, your family's packed up, and you you got in your little car, and and you're on the road, and all of a sudden you start seeing signs on the road, next exit Hollywood, from here. Next exit Miramar, Miami, or Homestead, or the Keys. Guess what? You have a problem. (laughs) Unless you plan on getting there by route of Cuba or Jamaica, At some point, you're going to have to do what? Turn around. around. That's the only way to rectify it. And, And literally, that's what repent means. It means you have to turn around. You have to turn from following sin and self, the very thing that Jesus died to purchase our freedom from, Jesus did not die on the cross to give us a pass so that we can continue in the sins that he died for. Repent means I'm turning away from those things, and now I'm turning to someone, and that someone is Jesus. Luke 13.3 says, "Not not at all, and you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, here's the greatest news of all. I've saved the best for last. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What does it say? you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your what? Your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. Someone say Jesus. Jesus. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now what happens if a person is willing to repent of their sins and confess their faith in Christ? Well, the Bible says in that moment, in that moment when you get uh, serious, About the call of God in your life, the Bible says, in that moment, you become born again. And the moment you become born again, spiritually, your name gets written in the Lamb's book of life. And from that moment on, you need not have to worry about the second death. What's the second death again? Because in that moment, God has purchased a place for you with Him in heaven. Now Jesus said as much on the eve of His crucifixion. He's about to pay that ultimate sacrifice, and He was telling His disciples as He, the Son of Man. They're going to take him. They're going to beat him. They're going to hit him, and they're going to, and they were getting upset because they'd walked with him now for three years, and here he's now declaring that these are the, he was a prophet. He knew Jesus had a mission. He knew what the mission was, and he knew it was going to take place. So he turned to the twelve men and and the ladies who were in that group, and this is what he told them. He says, "Do not let your hearts." Be troubled, John fourteen. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I? If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I. Listen to me friends Eternal life The promise of eternal life The promises of God are yes and amen In Christ Jesus The yes is in Jesus And uh, and, uh, and we give that amen But it's found in him And, And that promise can begin today Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that life to the fullest. And so by putting my my trust in Jesus and, and putting our faith in him as our Savior and Lord, in that moment, I become born again. And my path has changed. Now, my question to you this morning is, do you understand what I'm saying? Have you made that commitment? He says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Have you made your salvation sure that if Jesus was to return today, would you be with him? Or are you going to go, God forbid, you, you leave this earth tomorrow? I don't wish it on anybody. Do you know that you have salvation? in Christ Jesus. Have you acknowledged what Jesus said about you, what the Bible says about you, notwithstanding what the Oxford Dictionary says or this world says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages for sin is death. What you and I deserve is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life when we put our faith not in our own works I, I'm sure you're a good person compared to me or compared to somebody else but that's not the standard God is using He says no no man's gonna boast it's not by works and there's so many people are, well I'm a good person but that's not what he says you've declared yourself right in your own eyes it's not by works of righteousness but by his blood alone have you repented From your own sins and turn to Jesus and start walking and putting your trust in him if you've not yet done that the Bible says today if you hear his voice don't harden your heart today if the Spirit is calling you and I've been I've been there I've been right there with you I've been oh my goodness someone shared the gospel I mean, for some people, they hear it over and over again, and it goes in one in, out the other. I don't remember ever hearing it. I heard it one time. Oh, snap, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Jesus and to follow him. It's available to everyone, but it's not automatic. You have to say, yes, I want Jesus in my life. Now, if that's you today, listen, I'm going to just lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead those who are, who are watching online. I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And if that's you today and you want me to lead you in a prayer, I, I want Jesus in my life. I want to make sure that, I'm, that, that I have the free gift of eternal life that he's offering. Pastor, can you just lead me in a prayer this morning? Just put up your hand say, I want Jesus in my life. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see it. Anyone else? I see it. Anyone else? And listen, I don't have to see your hand. God sees your hand wherever you're at. Just make an altar in your heart toward him and say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. And I recognize that you've called me into relationship with you through faith. And today I acknowledge what you say about me and I repent of my sins. Forgive me. I turn away from those today and I turn to you and I put my trust. In what Jesus did for me on the cross. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Thank you for showing your love for me in that fashion. And thank you three days later rising from the dead. And because you live, you give me the promise. You said I go and prepare a place for you that where you are, I will be as well. So today, Lord, put my trust entirely in you and faith in you. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.